Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. This morning we start a brand new series called Screen Time. And I'm excited about it because I believe that a lot of you are fascinated, and or use a screen often. So it should be a very practical and very relevant series. This morning we're going to talk about screen time and notifications. How many of you get notifications on your phone? How many of you have a smartphone? Probably over 90%. Do you remember back in the day that there was actually a time that existed before screens. Some of you remember the time before television screens. Now, you got me beaten there. But in 2007, phones finally got smart. I can remember a debate with other youth pastors at that time, and, and what phone should I buy, and was I going to wait for the brand-new first-generation iPhone? And obviously, I was probably 20 to 25 years older than any other youth pastor around the table. And so they expected me not to buy the iPhone at that time. But I surprised them, and I did. Surprised myself. And it changed the way I looked at a phone. Because it did way more than just communicate person to person as the early phones slideshows. <laughs> Come on! Before the other phones. Do you, I remember students at that time with their flip phones would put them in their pocket and they could text without looking at their phone. And it was pretty amazing. They could not respond in fact, they'd have to look, look like that and then put it back in, and they would do the one, two, and three taps that it required to do that. But now, you could text on a screen, and there wasn't even any push buttons, and it, 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 you could access the Internet via Wi-Fi, and, and the world changed dramatically. And, and today, these smartphones that we are using, you probably don't use them your, your main usage is not the phone in itself. I was at a Willow Creek conference. Stacy and I were at a Willow Creek conference for student ministers, and obviously I was an older student minister, but I was still relevant. I just want you to know. I was still relevant. And one of the younger youth pastors, a woman, looked at me and said, what are you doing? I had my iPhone and I was texting. I said, I'm texting. And she looked at me in this weird way, like, my parents don't even text. And I was obviously older than her parents. It was like age discrimination. And now you all text. And we prefer that a lot of times because we don't want to get involved in a phone, long-term phone call. But we get offended. We get offended if we don't get an immediate text right back, don't we? And if you put all caps, then obviously you're mad. And if you use too many exclamation points, 
than or Mark's. It's it's a big deal. I, I'm offended for my text. I'm thinking, really? I mean, at least call and find out what's going on. Maybe their phone got stuck in caps. You never know. But on the screen this morning, and, and, and by the way, this series is not condemning you for using screens, but we just need to approach this thoughtfully and think about how it's affecting us and those around us. So if you would, please watch this video. So all of that just to say, screens are dangerous, emotionally, physically, mentally, and socially. You probably know someone who's had an accident or been harmed in an accident by someone trying to text and drive. Even in Indiana now, it's the law. I think this last week it was passed that hands-free driving only while you're talking on your cell phone. No texting and driving. It's illegal. Screens are dangerous not only physically, but emotionally and socially. The thing that ought to be connecting us is disconnecting us. People that have been around cell phones or or communicating all their lives are dwarfed or left immature because they don't have a skill set of talking eye-to-eye, face-to-face, voice-to-voice. And it's, it's... Concerning, spiritually, what is it doing to us? Are we getting better or are we getting worse? And and, and at the same time, we introduced a new screen last week. You're watching this on screens. In fact, as we look at the big screens, we're working on getting the print bigger because a lot of people can't see that as well on the big screen as they could before. So, So... Screens are a part of our worship service. It's a part of the way we do things. I spend a lot of time on screens. I develop this sermon message on a laptop. I review it on my iPad. I study on an iPad. I, I love reading books on my tablet. All of those things are relevant and important to my life. And I think God wants to take this technology and use it for good. I enjoy version, and I hope you do. I spend the first part of my morning praying and, and spinning it in his, in his word. And, and, and that enables me to share with others what I am reading and share together in community something that was once solitary. So there's a lot of good uses. So don't walk away saying, screens are bad. I'm never going to watch a screen again. And at the same time, we just need to realize how dangerous they are. And so through this series, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to look at a lot of other areas. And the Apostle Paul, he writes this to a church that that is growing, that is dynamic, but comes from a very foreign place than what he was used to because he was raised a Jew. He was a Jew Jew of all Jews, and, and he just wanted them to come along and know Jesus as Lord and live a great life. And so if you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he writes, 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Apostle Paul is challenging us. He was challenging them to to give their lives as a living sacrifice, as a praise offering. And, And it's a little different because... It wasn't a dead sacrifice, but we present ourselves, our lives, our whole lives, as a sacrifice to God, as a praise offering. So in this passage, you might ask the question, what is the motivation? And the motivation is God's mercy. It is God's compassion, God's love for you, that that he did this out of love, and we respond because we are so loved with obedience in this life transformation that is going on. Remember in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, Paul also writes here, and he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's love, no matter what trauma, tragedy, event, cannot be stopped. He will always love you. And in light, in view of God's love and mercy, we are to align ourselves with him. That is the motivation, that is the pure motivation for the spiritual worship that he calls us to. But notice again in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you're still there. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living, discipling, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But this is what it says in the message, which I like. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's more than one hour a week. It's more than two hours, Sunday school and church. It's more than a life group. It is our whole lives are being transformed. It is changing us from the inside out. And Paul is appealing to a heart motivation, not an external have-to, not a rule-oriented, legalistic motivation, but because the Holy Spirit of God resides in you, you are being changed from the inside out. And this is what he's saying in verse 2 of this passage. He's saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I find that fascinating a couple different ways. First of all, being conformed, to form according to a mold. You've heard it said that when when they made you, you broke the mold. 
We all have a mold, but they are all different because of God creating us as his masterpiece. The mold is going to be different, but we're going to be molded and shaped into an image of God. And we're all going to look different. Now, isn't that interesting? It's like snowflakes. No two are the same. And I'm not calling you a snowflake, by the way. But you're unique, and that mold is what God has created you for. But he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My concern is that instead of worshiping God and placing our lives on an altar to worship Him, which is our spiritual service, we bow down before our technology, whatever it is, our cell phone, our tablet, our computer, and and we worship it. And it's kind of interesting because when you take your cell phone out, what do you do? You look down, don't you? And what are we bowing to? And Paul calls us to be transformed, and this word is metamorpho in the Greek, and it's the same word that we get when when a butterfly or a caterpillar changes into a butterfly. There's a metamorphosis that occurs. Now, that occurs inside that, is it a pupa, a chrysalis? Okay, good word, chrysalis. Does the butterfly, I mean, the caterpillar do that himself, or is it created by a god and, and they are transformed? in that life process. However, now we can't force that transformation in our lives. Obeying the rules, doing all the externals, we can't change ourselves. But if we focus on God and ask God through His Spirit to change us, we can be changed from the inside out. And and what the Apostle Paul says here, he answers the question, how are you transformed? How are you transformed? It's by the renewing of our minds. The renewing of your mind. How do we do that? How do we do that? And I would submit to you, your life is shaped by your thoughts. And you think about whatever you're exposed to the most. And so the question then becomes, what am I exposing myself to? What is the chief influencer, if you will, in, in my life? You see, the way you think is going to determine whether you are conformed or transformed. So what we think about, what we spend our time on, basically determines our path in our lives. Because of the amount of time and the type of content we see or process determines whether we're conformed or transformed. So the question then becomes, where are we spending our time? What are we exposing ourselves to? What are we thinking about? And I believe when we look at our screen time, it tells a lot about us. 
You see, another way of saying this is what we're exposed to, we think about, what we think about determines our life. And I would ask you to really, through this series, consider what you're thinking about, what you're being exposed to, and the content. And these are hard questions because we don't like to ask these. I don't like to ask these. Two questions. Is it holy and is it pleasing to God? And I I don't like to ask these because they're difficult. Is it holy? I'd rather ask, is it, is it something that God doesn't like rather than is it holy? Because it takes me to a completely different level. <coughs> is it pleasing to God? I don't like that. I'd rather, I'd rather ask the question, does God not like it? Because is it pleasing to God makes me, forces me to, to think about, well, is there something better? Is there something higher? Is there something more pure? That is where I need to go. And the danger is that we're being fed information all the time, and there's no break from it. And and that becomes like an altar or a God in and of itself that we think we need to know more to be able to to do better, and it just, the cycle doesn't stop, ever. So I've got to ask the question, and this is kind of embarrassing for me, how much screen time? How much screen time? And if you have an Android phone, don't think that you're off the hook, because the Android phone has an app called Pi, and it will tell you how much time you are spending. Now, this is a screenshot actually from my phone from Wednesday, and I'm kind of embarrassed. This will tell you how many pickups of my phone. In fact, I think I've picked my phone up at least one or two times through this message. I think this may be the third time. So every time I pick up my phone and the screen lights up, it counts as a pickup. Tuesday was my high with 42 for the week. It was 174 up to that point. To me, that's a lot. Does that seem like a lot to you? How many messages first after the first pickup of the day? 34, and that was only by 12.09, nine minutes afternoon, 34 times. I used the phone 16 times already. I've been on the calendar, and it doesn't even go into my FaceTime or my uh, Facebook. I'd already spent 21 minutes. I was so embarrassed. I'm glad that's not on on the phone. And I was just scrolling. I was just scrolling. And and the problem is that it's addictive. Do you ever get that way? I know some of you are scrolling right now. When is it going to get done? And then if you hit anything, like anything, or there's an interesting article... Now it's got an algorithm, and it's going to feed me more of the same kind of stuff that I like, and it's just going to bring me and take me down that rabbit hole even further. There you go. I'm just a great guy. And plus, and plus I have ADHD, so if I do that, then I'm off and running again, and then I have to come back and say, what? 
Where was I going and what was I going to do? Do you think it affects productivity? Absolutely. 74% of the 18 to 34-year-olds, it's the last thing they see and then the first thing they see in the morning. And folks, I'm not just picking on the 18 to 34-year-olds because if we're really, really honest, it's the last thing I see at night and the first thing I see in the morning. And I know it's the same way for you. Now, I open my tablet and I look at version, and I, I spend some time with God and I love it. But are we really, really healthy? Is it really, really helping us? There's an article in the New York Times. There was an article this last year, and it's called The Rise of the Toilet Texter. I am not making this up. 75% of us have answered the phone, made a phone call in the restroom, in the bathroom. And you know you've done it. Or texted while you were going. I've heard, well, in conversations, flushes. Come on. 30% of the people will not go to the bathroom without their phone. Folks, I think we got a problem. And <laughs> not going to the restroom, it's taking our phone there. So why pay attention to screen time? Why pay attention? We pay attention to our screens because our screens are discipling us. And it is not the thing that should be discipling us. And, and that's my concern, and that's my heart. Social psychologist Adam Atler's book, Irresistible, this is what he says. They are built to addict us and to madden us, to distract us, to arouse us and deceive us. We primp and perform for them as for a lover. We surrender our privacy to their demands. We wait on their tinder hooks for every like. The smartphone is in the saddle and it rides mankind. Isn't that scary if we think about it? You think about the conversations that we have. A few weeks ago after church, we went out to dinner with our family and our grandkids and daughter and, and friends. And we were sitting at the table and my daughter said, look at that family. There were four people, two elementary age students and a mom and a dad. Both parents were on their cell phones. Both kids were on their screens, on their iPads or whatever they were, tablets. Sunday dinner. Now, last week, my grandkids, our grandkids, they're not just mine, our grandkids went to Disney on Ice. They came back from Disney on Ice, and they were pumped, and they were excited. And I just went out to the car because I forget what the exchange was, but we were making an exchange, and both granddaughters were in the back of the car, and they had their headphones on, and they had their screens. And I think that was awesome until they ignored me. I am in crazy, I am crazy in love with them. I tell them every day, I'm crazy in love with you. But guess what? I, w I, I didn't even exist. I had to open the door up, ca catch their eye, move their face eye to eye to give them a kiss to tell them I love them. Because they were transfixed on that screen. 
Now, you don't think that that affects a relationship, but I think it will. And I just think, folks, we need to just be aware. Just be aware rather than let it to control us. So here's the challenge. Number one, set some boundaries for yourself. If you've got screen time or Pi or whatever app that you use to monitor your phone, then, then please do that. Take it and just see. Find out how much time. What are you, what are you doing? Because it's eye-opening. It's, cra- it's crazy eye-opening for me. And for the next seven days, try to digitally detox. Maybe one less hour. Maybe maybe one less minute. I don't know. Just whatever God calls you to. I don't want to give you so much structure. I know that I'm working on it. I have some strategies that if I get on Facebook, because, you know, I get on Facebook because I want to know what's going on in your life. And I can scroll through and I can find out some things that are going on. And I, I can encourage you and say something face-to-face, eye-to-eye. That's what I use Facebook for, for shepherding. But then I go down the rabbit hole, and I'm not shepherding anymore. I'm lost in space. It's dangerous. Now, every year I challenge you to be a part of the the Daniel Fast and to go kind of on a vegan diet. And some of you do, and some of you don't. Some of you tried it, and you tried it for a few days, and you hated it. That's okay. But, But every year I want to challenge you just to dedicate a part of your life, the first 21 days of the year, to kind of focus on God and, and, and to seek Him and, and seek His will. And I know, you know, everybody's not going to do it every year, and, and, and I, I don't care how you modify it. I, don't, I, I just don't. I just want you to kind of connect with God and allow Him to have His will to be done in your life. Now, in this detox, I, I'm asking you to kind of do the same thing. But saying all of that, I've got lost in this illustration. But someone came to me last week and said, you know, I did the Daniel Fast. And I said, really? I, don't, I didn't think anybody knew was trying this last year. And she said, you know what? It was, it was really, really great. I'm glad I did it. It was a struggle. So my kids tried it for about a day, and, and, and they gave up. But I, I was determined to stay in there. And I, and I just said, hey, I just so appreciate that encouragement that you tried and that you accomplished that. And she, she said, I know it wasn't our goal to lose weight, but I lost weight. My, my clothes were more comfortable. But it really drew me in to a deeper relationship with God. That's what this is all about. I'm not going to tell you to throw your screens away. I'm not going to throw my screens away. I'm just going to say, hey, this is a huge influence in our culture. Don't conform to it. Be transformed by God. Utilize God's technology for His glory. And let's just be aware. Amen? But Please stand and I'll close in prayer.